ladies and gentlemen, just a word of warning. Oh, you're a mess, aren't you? I'm not very tall, either. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Good afternoon, Cambridge, and welcome to today's Bums on Seats, your fortnightly film review show. My name is Yossi Osman, and I will be your host today. And joining me, we have Simon West. Hello. Ashley Capaldi. Hi. Emma Marchant. Hello. And Victoria Eyre. Hello. We have very nearly made it to the end of January and this week's show sees us whirl our way through an impressive, if a little varied, selection of this winter's offerings. On our cinematic road trip today, we start with Armando Iannucci venturing from his usual political satire to something a little more Dickensian with the personal history of David Copperfield before turning towards Jay Roach's Bombshell, a dramatic telling of women's empowerment at Fox News in 2016. Our third film is the delightful Weathering With You, the Japanese animated fantasy written and directed by Makoto Shinkai. And the last two stops in our journey could not feature more wildly different double-act protagonists. Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins star as two religious figures struggling to find common ground in The Two Popes, before we veer from the Vatican to Venice Beach and beyond for an array of thrills, spills and a lot of shooting with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in action-packed bad boys for life. So we have loads to discuss today, but first off, let's take a trip to 1800 Suffolk with Dev Patel and co. I can easily recall people of strong character. Good morning! Good morning! Is it too early for Sherry? A little early. And weave their memory. Come in. Form a queue. Into my life's journey. We're ruined. Like a castle. Bailiffs! How can we be ruined? Like a big castle. Pets! We could keep him as a little pet. <laughs> it was a joke, I'm sorry. I've been attempting to learn gentleman's humour from a book. This calls for a celebration. Hooray! This is a remarkable day. Did you hear that? I'm a huge maniac! What an adventure we have had. Oh, on your head. What are you doing? Medicine, reviving you. This is salad dressing. Is it? <clears throat> Directed by a creator of biting comic satires such as The Thick of It, Veep and The Death of Stalin, Armando Iannucci, the personal history of David Copperfield strikes a rather different tone with a charming period drama set in Victorian-era Suffolk. Dev Patel stars as the titular character telling the story of his life from birth to adulthood. It features an array of popular figures in its cast including Peter Capaldi, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, Ben Whishaw and many, many more. Uh, Emma, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, as I mentioned just describing it there, we know Armando Iannucci for things like The Thick of It and Veep, which are these biting satires with, you know, a lot centred on a lot of awful people. David Copperfield, he seems to take him on a bit of a softer turn. Does that work? It, it did for me. I thought this was absolutely delightful. I think the word I used was jaunty. Jaunty. Um, jaunty. It's Very good. The, I think there is a lightness of touch. There's a deftness. The costumes are amazing. Dev Patel himself is just kind of 
charm personified, really, I think, as as our titular hero, David Copperfield. He, his physicality really works in this role. I felt he's all kind of like arms and legs and just smiles. I, I, I don't, I didn't know, I mean, I've seen quite a few Dickens adaptations. Um, I didn't know David Copperfield particularly well, but I understand it's obviously Dickens' most personal work and also one of his more optimistic. It is quite a happy story for Dickens. You don't have the horrible, too many horrible deaths or, you know, penury in it. Um... And he's just supported by this wonderful cast all around. I mean, there's so many people in it, you can't even get around to, to mentioning them all. I mean, Gwendolyn Christie has a great turn at the beginning as the miserable Mrs. Murford, his his aunt, who kind of, you know, comes in, you know, his stepfather's sister who comes in. Um, it's just, it was just really two hours of comic and period bliss. I really enjoyed it. And uh, Simon, I don't know um, if you know the the original story of David Copperfield, if you've read the book or seen any previous adaptations, but quite a lot of its commentary is actually on on areas of such as class. Um, does that come through enough in, in this adaptation? Um, it does. It... I was completely unfamiliar with David Copperfield, so I'd never read it, seen any adaptations or anything. I was never a fan of Dickens. I hated it at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming in here, slight bit of trepidation, but as Emma said, it is delightful. Um, it does hit hard about class, um, which was a theme of throughout Dickens' life. Um, I mean, they do have a shout-out at the end of the film to Shelter, who I'm sure they did quite a bit of work with. Um, and it is all about moving up between different classes and how the different class systems behave and um, relate to poverty and how relationships are what's more, most important. Um, and, yeah, the message came through, but it wasn't too heavy with it. It was it was fun, it was light, Um it was, you know, quite amusing. It's an enjoyable um, two hours. It's enjoyable, the fantastic performances by everybody involved. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of talk on the performances. I don't know if any of you, Victoria, you might, if you have a standout from the film at all. A standout from the film. Um, I'm <laughs> there's there's <laughs> a lot of performances to choose from. I think from. Uh, Peter Capaldi is very captivating. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed his, um, he just wanders into David Copperfield's life, takes advantage of him, but in a way that he's happy with. Um, I really enjoyed uh, also the the lady that played Agnes. I thought she was just this really strong woman character throughout of it, and she didn't let anyone kind of mess her around, but she was very clever in what she was doing. Um, I think with the whole casting situation, it's completely great cast and very inclusive like com- complete colorblind and like everyone is just great performers doing their very best with the characters they've been given i think you bring up a good point there because if actually if you search on google at the moment the personal history of david copperfield um the top three four news stories are all about its casting and the fact that Ainucci decided very much to go colorblind with this um Let's just talk about it a little bit. And actually, for me, I thought it was wonderful. I, I, I thought it was so refreshing to see that in a period drama. And, and so, as, as Victoria mentions, the word inclusive. I think, it, I think it's refreshing to see in anything, not even, you know, not necessarily a period drama. Like I said, it is genuinely colourblind in that race has no impact on who they cast as families or, um, yeah, who they cast as, as, as family members 
it, it, that was also colorblind. You have a you know an Asian father with a yeah. black daughter, yeah. a white a white guy with a black mother, and it, it just was it was brilliant. I wanted to say though just about the performances. I really enjoyed seeing Hugh Laurie in this. I feel yes. like I haven't. I seen thought him Hugh Laurie was, was brilliant, fantastic. I mean, normally like a house and the grump, you know, grumpy Hugh Laurie, and he was and like he the heart wasn't of grumpy this. Of this. No. It was so much heart. He was, he was so good to see him again. And also Ben Whishaw. Um, I, I, when oh, Ben Whishaw ben came Whishaw. on as Uriah Heep, who is obviously one of the ever so humble Uriah oh, Heep, who is one of the biggest comments on class in the whole thing, and also you know is the closest thing this comes to a villain, I suppose. And he was unctuous and oily and everything you want him to be. You know, from Paddington to Uriah Heep, Ben Whishaw is a national treasure. Yeah, I enjoyed the. Um, I mean, part of the casting it allowed you to have Benedict Wong. Uh, yes, turn yes. up as is it Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Wickfield, Mr. Wickfield. He and awesome. he was brilliant. It's always great to see him, and um, it you know it's good and it's important that just because you're doing a period English piece that you you do go and cast the best people for the roles. Um, I also thought it was interesting that they cast the same woman to play David Copperfield's mother no. yes. at the beginning, and she obviously then dies when he's very young. Yeah. And then they had the same actress come back to be the object of his yeah. affections, and yeah. I thought that was really clever. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of really clever things about this and, and I think for I don't know what you expected when you went in but there is this sort of stereotype of sort of Dickensian adaptations and how they look and feel so I, I well I think we would all agree that this is probably a more fresh and, and fun take perhaps well, I think so soon after the um, new, the BBC adaptation of Christmas Carol, obviously, mm. by the guys behind Peaky Blinders, I know it's not a movie, but, you know, it's it's a recent adaptation. And that was so dark and so grimy and was kind of brought up to date, but in a very dark way, let's say. It was nice to see something brought up to date in such a fresh and just joy, just joyful. It really yeah. was joyful. I mean, you had the moments of darkness in the workhouses yeah. and London briefly, but because the film is set in um, Yarmouth in the Suffolk coast and also mm. down in Kent, it did take the entire film out to the countryside and give it yeah. a big airy feel to it. Yeah. And uh, how it looked as well. It was just sort of bright and delightful in places. And um, it actually... It, it does change some of, of what happens in the book, a couple of the more tragic elements that happen to some of the characters. So I think that would have probably been a more conscious choice um, on the part of the writers and directors. But looking around the room, I think we've got some fans of this film here. So that is a recommendation from all of us. Personal History of David Copperfield is in all three cinemas in Cambridge and it is a certificate PG. I want to convince you that I belong on air, Mr. Ailes. I think I'd be freaking phenomenal on your network. I could pluck you out and move you to the front of the line. But I need to know that you're loyal. I need you to find a way to prove it. I'm the bad guy. You know why Raj has got that door blocking his office. Someone has to speak up. Someone has to get mad. Fox News star Gretchen Carlson dropped a major bombshell today. What is she doing? This could kill Fox News. We need everyone on Team Roger. Get it on. Put it on. These are the end times. You do understand I have to be above this, right? You know the entire country is talking about your period right now. So you're a tough guy like you really Sweetheart, this is an island of safety and truth. It's a man! Ready to go to war? Oh, yeah.
that was the trailer for Jay Roach's Bombshell, starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and John Lithgow, amongst others. Bombshell is a revealing and powerful look at media empire Fox News and the women who brought down one of its top men. Set in 2016, the story is around Kidman's Gretchen Carlson, who came forward with stories of sexual harassment against chairman and CEO of Fox News, Roger Ailes, played by John Lithgow. Amongst a toxic atmosphere and the regular silencing of women, it takes immense bravery for other women to come forward. Um, I'm going to come to Simon on this one, I think, if that's okay. Um, So, Bombshell, actually, uh, interestingly, despite everything that's happened in recent news with the Me Too movement, the the story of this and the concept for the film came about before all of that happened. It's just the timing, of course, is really pertinent at the moment. Do we think, like, with a film and... the film bombshell and what it covers that it's as scolding enough as it should be um it it's hard to say the film is oh it's a difficult question <laughs> it's a very to start difficult with question to i'm start so with. sorry yeah no um the film is quite scolding it's very open to what happens and rightfully condemns all the action um i don't know whether we can actually give spoilers away of the actual end of the film many, with it no. being well, with it, it, with it being news. based on fact but it was the, the almost uh, the final credits and subtitles at the end was a real kicker mm-hmm. um to say we could be scolding but actually they probably got off quite lightly um mm-hmm. way too lightly than what they should have done mm-hmm. um if you don't know the story at all, it is about, like I said, the John Lithgow playing Roger Ailes, the head of Fox News, um, well, the Fox Corporation, um, who who was caught and brought down by for sexual harassment throughout his career mm-hmm. um, by three newswomen. Mm-hmm. And it's all about um, uh, Charlie Theron, Megan Kelly, and it's uh, Nicole Kidman's Gretchen Carlson mm-hmm. who accused him, mm-hmm. and then waiting to see how many people come up and whether it's just going to be put under the carpet like it has been so many times before, or if any action is actually going to be taken um, against and it, and probably it, one of the most powerful men in media at the time. And fortunately, action was taken this time, but yeah. it is a whole will they, won't they, how will it happen? throughout the film um and also how these women were were treated when they when they were coming forward and and telling these stories a lot of it is about you know how they're treated how they also treated each other um there's fantastic scene i mean one of the main things about the film is is the central performances between charlie thorough nicole kidman and margot Robbie are all fantastic i think most of them being nominated for oscars for it yes margot robbie has margot robbie kidman hasn't which i think he's there on is up for Best I think actress. she's up for leading actress. And, and yeah. Margot Robbie's best supporting. Yeah. yeah. But I don't believe Nicole... I don't think Nicole Kidman has. Just just coming to um, Ashley, uh, the, the style of this film, uh, the creators of the film also created The Big Short, I believe, and actually I thought that was quite telling... Um, in the film with its style do, when, when we're talking about this subject matter, does that style really fit with what it's trying to do? Do you know what you mean? And I really liked the paciness of it. And then it was when you mentioned that, oh, I'm not sure they really treated the subject matter carefully enough because it really worked in the big short because it's a very complex but very boring subject matter, like subprime bonds or whatever the hell it was they were talking about. You need to drag me through that subject matter because it's dull. And it 
when you put it that way, it's a little offensive when they feel the need to do it with sexual harassment. I think. Having said that, we discussed before the show that there were scenes where we all felt very uncomfortable watching it. I didn't think that they shied away. I mean, interestingly, of course, Jay Roach is best known before this for Austin Powers. So, you know, at the end of the day, this is a big... That's a pretty much... <laughs> as a, in, a, in terms of directing, this is a big step change for him. And you're right, it, you do... Th- you can't help but think of the big short. And also Vice. I thought a little bit about Vice. It had that feel to it as well. But um, it didn't shy away from the grossness. There is an incredibly uncomfortable scene with John, with John Lithgow and Margot Robbie, which... Yeah, you're you're forced to watch the cat, and the camera does not shy away from that. The gaze does not shy away from that, and it is it, that. I thought that was very powerful. However, I would say that I thought both Nicole Kidman and Charlize Theron playing real life characters that really worked. Now we know that Margot Robbie, her ca- character, is meant to be obviously an amalgamation of all the women, or you know, not all the women, but many women who were um, harassed in this manner. And although I think Margot Robbie gives a brilliant performance, and I could look at her face forever and a day. It didn't, that was the bit that didn't quite hold true for me because it's just surrounded, I think just about everybody else, every other major character is a real life character and cracking performances from Connie Britton as Roger Ailes is kind of, you know, as, as his wife, Rob Delaney, Mark Duplass as Megan Kelly's husband and Megan Kelly in particular. I mean, these women are not necessarily very likeable. Megan Kelly and Gretchen Glass, well, you that, know, Fox News is yeah. a difficult, you know, particularly as a liberal liberal 40-something in the UK. You know, Fox News is not necessarily, you know, up up our streets. So these are complicated women. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point there, which I I was listening to another podcast, I'm not going to say which one, uh, where where this was discussed, that these women are, you know, they're on Fox News, they're very conservative, so you're sort of watching there, and and the performances really help you to to feel for these women with the awful things that have happened to them. Does Is this film relying too much on the performances, perhaps? Possibly. There's a, there, I really enjoyed, there's a scene quite early on with Nicole Kidman as Gretchen Carson. She's already been kind of demoted, as it was anyway. She's been taken away from her primetime slot. She's been given an afternoon slot and she hosts... She is... You, you, you get the impression that she is trying to push the boundaries a little bit more. And she hosts this whole show with no makeup on. It's like mm-hmm. Makeup Free Monday or whatever. And mm-hmm. she, it's so good. And then John Lithgow comes just steaming in. And actually, this is one of the most uncomfortable things. And he was like, no one wants to see a woman sweating through her menopause on TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was one of the most caustic moments in the whole thing it wasn't quite as you know it wasn't as uncomfortable to watch as some of the other stuff but my goodness still it showed his character of bullying and yeah and and sexism yeah so i didn't answer your question no no you did did. (laughs) the performances it's hard to get away from these three powerhouse performances and rightfully so i mean you know we talk a lot about how there aren't that many good films Mm. out there for with women's roles Mm. so to have three of them in this and they only they're only all together in one scene Mm. yeah and i quite i it is hinging on the performances, but too often when we tell stories like this, the focus is always on the men, the perpetrators, and also the institutions they're trying to bring down. So you have the Weinstein victims and you have the Fox News juggernaut, and you kind of steel yourself against these stories. We hear them so often, and to have it actually have you look in in the eyeballs of the people these things are happening to and see how it affects them individually as people in their day-to-day lives when they're told something that's dismissed as locker room talk or when they're asked to dress a certain way or asked to do much more disgusting things I think too often because you're not able to deliver that kind of news in that way and it's not always appropriate to show that side of the story 
we don't see it that often. And I think to focus on the three women mainly and the wife and the female lawyer and other smaller characters like that I liked that they did that it is very much about the people in this it is about the people I don't know I just sort of wish because of the serious nature of the subject matter I did find it a little hasty particularly in the sort of second half of the film with how it treated um, and what had happened still really good we've talked about the performance i'm going to play devil's advocate and ask a really difficult question that you're all going to hate me for but we'll see who wants to answer it uh do we think this film would have been slightly different if it was directed by a woman yeah in a good way uh it would have been a whole a whole different film with a whole different tone i think it's just but I think in some instances these stories need to be told by men for men so that they understand. Um, I think it would be much more sensitively um, treated, especially the darker moments of it, were it a woman directing a woman having to do those things. But I think the point now is we can't be preaching to the choir. We need to be making sure that the types of people who enjoy films like The Big Short and like watching these flipping banker types I nearly saw them (laughs) (laughs) I I had a sharp intake of breath there (laughs) Um, go about their lives however they please it's I think it's important to have all these kind of stories packaged and told in the right way for different audiences otherwise Mm -hmm. we're just talking to ourselves in an echo chamber and no matter what side of what argument you're on that's never positive or useful do we agree around the room I get. I, I always get. I find it very difficult to answer that because you know everyone is different. It doesn't. You know, women directors. There are many women directors, mm. and they would all make different films. There are many male directors who would mm. make different films. You could say, would it be different if it was made by a gay male or a gay yeah. female? I, I just. I don't. I don't know. Is what I, to be honest, I actually presumed it was directed by a woman. Um, it wasn't until actually after the film, and I was doing a bit more research on it, I actually found out who was actually directed, mm-hmm. written and directed by a couple of men, and that actually surprised me. So there wasn't really anything in the film to indicate either way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it makes it a bit hard to answer because I, I can't see what would have been done differently. Oh. On a lighter note, I would say that I felt the shadow of succession. I know I always talk about oh, succession God. on Thursday nights, you, but don't. honestly, <laughs> it is such a big, big show at the moment. And I swear they even had sets that they've used in succession on here because succession is obviously the satire about the fox. So when the Murdochs come in at the end, when Malcolm McDowell comes in as Rupert Murdoch. Oh, I did more laugh Rupert Murdoch than He's very Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. It was very good. And you when you see Rupert Murdoch forever. James and Lachlan, his son, standing there in the lift with him at the end and thinking oh lord what have we done could this be even worse and of course this is all filmed at the, this is all at the time when trump is coming to power yeah. and there is something to be said about you know fox's role in that as well mm. so it's a mm. it, there's a lot of complicated you know it's a very complicated time in the states anyway politically and, and this is right at the beginning of all mm. of that so a, apart from the harassment side you've also got this idea of you know rising conservatism now i think it's got a lot of interesting things to say whether or not it managed to do it all. I don't know. And you just reminded me that no one was really held to account, and they did show that, but I don't think anyone was held to account in the film either, really. The most striking thing for me at the very end, they, they, 
they put up the, the, the and they say that since this time they how have paid money? women 50 million in damages 50 all million dollars compared all women, to how much they paid 65 million dollars was paid to Bill O'Reilly yeah, and each, Roger Ailes each wasn't it no no, between no the between well, the still 50 still million more still than all of them <laughs> so yeah and, and that is pretty damning I'm oh, pretty telling yeah no it is and and it is a really interesting film and I think we would all recommend that you go and see it um, brilliant performances all round um, and very complicated but very necessary subject matter to to be to be um, treating. So Bombshell is currently showing at the Light and View Cinemas in Cambridge. It is a certificate 15. Bums on seats on Cambridge 105 Radio. is the score from our next film Weathering With You Makoto Shinkai's animated fantasy epic uh, all about climate driven fantasy set in Japan during an onslaught of exceptionally rainy weather high school student Hadaka Morishima runs away from home to Tokyo where he meets the fascinating Hina an awful orphan not awful, orphan girl with a strange ability to manipulate the weather. Uh, Simon and Victoria, I've not seen this, so you're going to have to help me out with this one. I love the concept of this film just from reading about it. Tell us how it came, how it came back for you, how you enjoyed it or not enjoyed it. Um, so with uh, Shinkai, uh, my favourite of all time, like fa- film of all time, is Your Name, um, which was his mm-hmm. um, film just before this one. And I feel like with uh, Shinkai, he's been developing this formula for his past three films, uh, where he starts, he started with five centimetres per second and then really perfected it with Your Name. And he basically, he works with teenage romance um, and then he has these beautiful montages of Tokyo scenery and he has this overwhelming soundtrack by a Japanese band called Radwimps. And he's he made Your Name and then at the end of that, you want to be a part of this world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So he's came in with Weathering With You and it has all of these exact same factors. It has the teenage romance, it has the, that band as this overwhelming soundtrack again and then he has Tokyo as the backdrop. And then with that, he but this time he's made the story It's a, a lot more gritty, a lot less harmless um, and things develop and it really took me aback by how how much more um, harder to watch it could be because mm-hmm. these films are very immersive especially if you see them on the big screen and the colours and the animation is um, I think it's very top class and I, I don't want to compare them too much but um, obviously another well made well-known Japanese animator Miyazaki yeah. for Ghibli yeah, I, was- um, I feel like that's the only other kind of real uh, uh, animation films are recognised as in like he's the only animator maybe a normal person would know it's like oh Japanese animation you'd go with Ghibli I think Shinkai is raising the bar so that this can become a more mainstream film and I think he's done really well with Weathering With You 
it's interesting just thinking about the sort of real world problems that he's touching on with this film. I, I actually haven't seen um, much of Shinkai's work, so I don't know if this is his usual fare. But um, can we just talk about his treatment of the, these real world problems and how he matches them with sort of the more fantastical elements? He, he actually didn't want this to be a movie about climate change. Oh, he really? Had he's had an interview completely denies it. Oh, OK. He says well, that, I stand um, corrected. <laughs> he, he, think, he says that a lot of like Western audiences that watch it like completely focus on this factor mm-hmm. because it's such a factor that we're so used to seeing every day okay. that of course we're going to like focus on it okay says, um other audiences from like, <coughs> around asia just see a teenage romance film but i think i think it is it's got it's got a lot more i think it's hard to ignore the climate change parallels mm. in this film yeah um, and if you look online that's what like again westerners but that's what they're all saying i mean it, it does happen i remember when um the director of bait was constantly being in, um, interviewed and everyone's saying, oh, it's an amazing Brexit Powerball. And it was like, I didn't even do any Brexit. It was like, but you have a radio and you're talking about Brexit on the news. It was like, the sound designer had to write something down in five minutes. And, mm. and suddenly, you know, what he intended, it gets twisted. It, it does happen. Yeah. And it, it could happen here. Um, I mean, it also brings up my biggest problem with the film. Not that right. I have many ones, which was... Um, some of the suggestions he makes about the causes of climate change, if that's what he's making, um, and the reactions do seem slightly out of place, at least with most common thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is hard not to go, hang on a minute here, while watching it, and it does actually make it slightly, slight bit of a bad taste towards the end of the film. Okay. Um, you could argue that it is just more just the result of teenagers being selfish um, and that's what teenagers are but it does introduce a slight problem that some people may actually have with this Um, up to that I did enjoy most of the film it is beautiful to look at it is some some, you know some fine voice work I watched the uh, Japanese dub I did watch it in double still double bill straight after your name which i hadn't seen before and your name is a much much better film um so it could also be a slight thing that you know it's hard again not to compare two films when you see one white after the other um this one isn't up there with your name but it is still quite enjoyable and very good and worth watching and you know just make your own mind up about how you want to interpret it i wonder victoria what if you agree with um simon's point that he made there about about the film and, and something at the end that might that it kind of didn't work for him did it work for you actually you know? i agree with that um so his films are known for having like a twist which completely changes the dynamic which introduces like the fun i wouldn't say fantasy element yeah. but like um it's a more um out of place like something happens that obviously would not happen in the real world whereas a teenage romance would happen but then this introduces like weather dragons and sacrifice and disappearance and it's it gets a bit crazy and then like I, I hate comparing it, but with your name, it ends on a very happy note, and with this one, um, there's like a literal consequence. And I came out of it thinking, I can't believe that just happened. I can't yeah. believe that this is now, because uh, you wanted to. I wanted to continue. Like if you continued doing these films, and he did it in an order where you were really happy to be a part of this animated world, he's now kind of ended it in a way that I just didn't wasn't satisfied with. But 
you know, I still enjoyed the film. I don't, yeah, yeah I don't know I where he's going to go. All from the different here. characters, the important characters in here, the actual yeah. family that's created from the like the orphans and the people finding each other and the themes like that uh, with the daughter. It, it's all fantastic. But mm-hmm. again, you do suddenly start getting a few moments where you do question the you know the motivation of the character and the story, and you do have to think twice. Yeah, it definitely. It's a film that definitely doesn't um, shy away from the struggles you could face, like as growing up just too fast. The characters in this uh, don't have a lot of parental authority, um, and she, this the fifteen-year-old girl. She's an orphan, and she's looking mm-hmm. after her baby brother after her mother passes away. And this boy is sixteen; he's run away from home, and all they want is for these events that are like disrupting the life that they're trying to build. And it's just like kind of crashing on them. And as an adult, you kind of feel like that, like it's just one thing after another. Mm-hmm. So that was like these little moments or bubbles of joy that they have, you really like feel that. And I love the emotion that this film brings, I think. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it sounds, to me, it sounds really fascinating um, and I will be checking it out. If you also would like to check out Weathering With You, it's um, showing at the View Cinema in Cambridge and it is a certificate 12A. Now, before we visit Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins in Netflix drama The Two Popes, we'd like to give a little shout-out to a film that was showing this week uh, that our reviewer Simon saw, which he was very, very impressed with, Just Mercy. They convicted an innocent man. I was always taught to fight for the people who need the help the most. You don't know what it is down here. They ain't got to have no evidence. How many of you all were with Walter that morning? You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. We all with you. I want my son growing up knowing his mom stopped doing what was right just because she was scared. I think we can build a case strong enough to bring him home. And I'm not gonna stop until I've done that. Let's get to work. We want you. We all want you. Based on a true story, Just Mercy tells us the story of Brian Stevenson, played by Michael B. Jordan, a Harvard graduate heading to Alabama to defend those wrongly condemned. One of his first cases is that of Walter McMillan, played by Jamie Foxx, who's sentenced to death for the murder of an 18-year-old girl, despite evidence proving his innocence. Just Mercy shows us how Stevenson fought tirelessly, tirelessly for justice and for truth in this case. Simon, you're the only person here who's actually managed to catch it in the few days that it was showing um, at cinemas here. Tell us a bit about the film and why it resonated with you so much. Um, I mean, the film is about... um, Sorry. (laughs) Brian Stevenson, who created the Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama, uh, where up to that point, I think there had been no uh, death row cases overturned um, by the Alabama courts. Um, he goes down to check the um, speech to death row inmates to try and find out whether any of them have any cases that should be looked at again and finds one uh, case where Walter McMillan, um, played by Jamie Foxx, is a case that is so thin it literally takes them about five minutes bef- before being able to prove that it did not happen how they said it was and he was... Um, incarcerated on the say-so of another criminal who had a good reasons to lie. Um, 
and then you just get the normal tale about you know how they go through and take the battle to the Supreme Court to try and get it overturned. Um, you've heard the story before several times um, in similar films. The fact that this is actually based on a true story mm. um, does make it quite important. Michael B. Jordan is absolutely fantastic as Brian Stevenson, as is um, B. Larson's got a very brief role as well in it as his assistant. Um, Jamie Foxx is probably the best I have seen him um, since probably Ray, if not before. Mm. Um, it is such an under understated performance. Um, but it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, we've seen a lot of great performances this week on this show, which yeah, we, we talked about already, but I think Jamie Foxx was just absolutely stunning in this. Um, it's a shame that more people aren't going to get to see it, so we believe there's well, the, the, the viewing tonight yeah. at 11.30 yeah, at The View in yeah. Cambridge. That's your last um, which chance, is the last chance. So go out and go see it then, otherwise hopefully it should be on you know the streaming services soon. To, you know, If you do, go watch it. Um, I mean, the director's previous films, Destin Daniel Cretton, did Short Term 12, mm -hmm. um, which was a year's end, one of the films of the year when that came out, mm -hmm. um, who's worked with Brie Lyson quite a bit. But it's a surprising story. It's, it's very, very touching. It's important. It's the kind of film that really should be seen and it should have been given more than a week. It is a um, shame and I, I do here. wonder why it hasn't been given more time at the cinema but hopefully like you say we will be able to see it on streaming services at least in the near, fu yeah. near future. As Simon mentioned there is one more opportunity to see Just Mercy in Cambridge with a showing at 11.30 this evening at The View although Simon's given it a massive thumbs up so you may fancy that late night trip it would definitely be worth it. And now we're going to turn to this week's film choice that you can watch from the comfort of your very own home. Starring Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. this is Netflix's The Two Popes. There's a saying, God always corrects one pop by presenting the world with another pop. I should quite like to see my correction. Cuando tenga la tierra, la tendrán los Reform needs politician. The most important qualification for any leader is not wanting to be leader. It's not me who needs to be satisfied. It's 1.2 billion believers. You're the right person. Church needs to change and you could be that change. It could never be me. The grand doors have slammed shut and will remain so till the next pope has been chosen. From that balcony up there, Nothing is static in nature, not even God. Where should we find him if he's always moving? On the journey? Oh, perhaps we'll find God over there. On the journey, I'll introduce you to him. People must remember that you are not God. You're only human. Fernando Morelos's biographical drama The Two Popes sees conservative Pope Benedict, played by Anthony Hopkins, try to find common ground with Jonathan Price's more liberal Cardinal Borgoglio, the future Pope Francis. Set in a pivotal moment for the Catholic Church, surrounded by controversy and public accusations, the two popes confront their past to forge a brighter future for the Church and its millions of followers. Um, Emma, I'll come to you on this one. Uh, a lot of conversation uh, around the two popes is actually around its two central figures uh, played by Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price and their performances I do believe they have been Oscar nominated I think again I don't know if Anthony Hopkins yes. has been Jonathan Price has he? 
Yeah, I think they. I think they. I think they. And Jonathan Price has definitely been yeah. best actor. Yeah. Um, so t- tell us a bit more about what you thought about the film, and and if it is again, I know we discussed this in Bombshell, but if it is a lot about these performances, it's the performances, but also I would say the script. The guy who it's it's from the guy who wrote The Darkest Hour, and I do think the script, because it, 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 it is just it's almost like watching a play really, and is watching these two of our elder statesman actors, you know, both being given roles and a script to die for, if you'd like to say, at this stage in their lives, and they really do make the most of it. But um, I say it's quite a lot of uncomfortable. It's probably the kind of film that I would not have rushed to see if I wasn't reviewing it, but I'm really pleased I did. And I think a lot of that, I think Jonathan Price in particular gives such a humour performance. I mean, it is swayed towards, I would say, um, Pope Francis rather than Pope Benedict. We have a big, there's a big backstory you know, you, you get his backstory yeah. about the 1970s in Argentina, about the military junta, about how, you know, how that has then fashioned the way that he then feels about his own faith and, and, and the way he wants to carry his religion, you know, in, in how he wants to do his job, if you like. But um, from the very beginning, though, where he's kind of humming Abba, because the very, the, very yeah. the very first scene <laughs> is when Pope Benedict is... Um, elected Pope yeah. from Cardinal. And at that point, even, you know, um, Pope Francis or Jorge Bergoglio? Bergoglio? Bergoglio. Bergoglio. Yeah. There you go. Jorge, he still gets like 10 votes and there's a big sort of chatter yeah. amongst the Cardinals saying, you know, this is the first time any Southern Hemisphere Pope, you know, any... Um, Cardinal has got this kind of number of votes. But I really enjoyed watching the practicalities of these Cardinals going, because it's obviously... There's much pomp and ceremony about the Catholic Church. You know, there are 1.2 billion Catholics in the world. I might not be one of them, but my mm. goodness, it was. I found that really fascinating. Interspersed with real life footage and the whole kind of black smoke and the white smoke and the sewing of the things and then and the, they get the red Pope shoes out. And I, I enjoyed that whole insight of what goes on behind yeah. the Vatican doors. And so when they're all sitting around in a canteen eating salad, I really, in all in their cardinal robes, I enjoyed that. I was I was going to ask actually because a few people that I've mentioned the two popes two they just look at it and think oh gosh it's going to be all religious isn't it I don't want to see it I, I, you know in a way I'm like that's quite a sad thing to say because you don't have to be a member of the Catholic Church or anything like that to to enjoy this film it resonated with you Emma it resonated well in a way with me I'll get into that more Simon how did how did you find it I mean when I saw it, it was doing really well and recommended at the Cambridge Film Festival last year I actually thought it was a documentary and I was like no way am I watching that <laughs> um, and then found out actually no it's Anthony Hopkins King Johnson Price could be worth a watch. Watched it last night, and I was surprised how quickly the two hours went. Um, as Emma said, it's a lightness of the script mm-hmm. and their performances. Um, it makes it a lot more approachable than you actually think it is. Um, it's slightly unbalanced where you, it is towards Pope Francis, and you get his backstory, but really it does feel like it misses a trick where you don't get more about the backstory of Pope Benedict. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got the whole Nazi Pope accusations, which they mention briefly twice in throwaway lines and don't go into at all. You've got all the other lots of scandals from the uh, Roman Catholic Church, which they mention once or twice and then ignore. Mm. And it doesn't go into any of that. It's just two people giving lip service to see Should who's it go be into that, popular. though? Well, could it even go into that? Because Pope Benedict is still alive. So, I mean, is there a question that they maybe... Because, like I said, it's very positive about, obviously, Pope Francis, because he was. He was a huge... You know, mm. This was a huge shake-up in the Catholic Church, and he is, as far as I can tell, he genuinely it, it, is very progressive. There's, it did feel very much to me like a PR relationship yeah. for the Roman Catholic Church, saying... Actually, these popes are okay. They may, you know, rule over a corrupt organisation, but 
you know, they're fine. But I in mean, his defence, I think Pope Francis is, tra- you know, he has made more changes than, than, than many, you know, than many people did before him. And I guess, you know, Pope Benedict resigned as well. And, you know, yeah. it, that was Rich. quite, that was a seismic shift as well. He does say, I, I, like, I enjoyed that line when he says, well, there is precedent for this. Yeah. So and so resigned in like 1285 or whatever. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it, there's, a, there's a, I mean, we haven't seen Anthony Hopkins in anything for a while. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of joy to be found in just watching these two actors, like I say, have this script. Uh, and it, it, is, it is actually, it's not the most gripping film in the world. I thought it was a little bit long, to be fair. You said the two hours went quickly. I, I found it got a bit flabby towards the end and I wasn't entirely convinced by their cosying up on the sofa at the very end towards the World Cup final. <laughs> I that yeah, was a little... I don't know. I think for me, it, it was very much a showcase for these two actors I think the script saved it to an extent but we've mentioned the running time here for me I feel like it just lost a bit of momentum as as, as we went through the film but you're both looking at me like I'm very wrong so no, I was going to ask you how did you feel about the flashback because I thought that actually the flashback scenes to Argentina in the 70s did give it a dramatic effort needed to and I, you know Juan Minuhin who I've never seen in anything else mm-hmm. playing the younger mm-hmm. Pope, you know playing the younger Pope Francis I thought he was excellently cast yes, both as a younger agree. version of, of Jonathan Bryce but also bringing that humanity to it in a very you know very difficult and turbulent times and that, I found this quite upsetting because I don't know. I didn't know that much about Argentina. No, no, and I, and I would agree with that. I just think overall, as a piece, I, I'm not sure it, it it worked for me the whole way through. Um, but excellent performances from Hopkins and and Price, and I do think the script, for the most part, works really well in something that's that's not very action heavy I mean we're about to talk about bad boys for life everybody so the, contra- script. the contrast is going to be incredible uh, <laughs> but um, as we've said as uh, it's a great showcase of acting I think the casting all round I think we'd all agree was was pretty brilliant even though I didn't expect it to be um, and as you can as I've said before you can watch it from the comfort of it, your own home it does feel like something that Netflix was made for I think yeah yeah yeah, it is available on Netflix, so you can watch it on your TV screens, and it is a certificate 12A. And we're, I mean, the faces around me as we're getting into our last film, everybody, it is uh, last but not, or maybe for Emma, actually least, <laughs> we finish with action comedy, Bad Boys for Life. I'm done, Mike. I'm a bit tired. Uh-oh, here we go again. You want your legacy to be muscle shirts and body counts? Look at this mess, it's carnage! I didn't do all this. You didn't shoot anybody? Well, come on, Cap, you know I shot some people. Yeah. Marcus, somebody's trying to kill me. Who wants to kill you? I don't trust a person that don't want to kill him. Hell, put my name up there. Thanks a lot, we got it, Marcus, we appreciate it. But family is the only thing that matters. So I'm not letting you go on a suicide mission alone. One last time. One last time. That was the trailer for Bad Boys for Life. And despite what the title would have you believe, this is actually the third, not the fourth edition of the Bad Boys franchise. Uh, With the director of the first two, Michael Bay, no longer at its helm. Instead, we have Belgian directors Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fala direct Will Smith and Martin Lawrence as they reprise their roles as the eponymous Bad Boys, Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett, who team up one last time to battle some awful foes 
Uh, Victoria, I'm going to come to you. We, we actually, myself, Emma, Simon and Victoria, we went to see this together. And uh, <laughs> Victoria was having a great time. So Victoria, That was the thing I enjoyed most about it, I'd like to say, was she watching Victoria. She thinks Fast and the Furious is a good franchise. Don't but no. Making Victoria <laughs> enjoy it made it more enjoyable no, for me. No but judgment at all. Victoria, we're coming to you first because I know you really enjoyed it. Tell us why. Well... <laughs> She's got a book full of notes in front of her. <laughs> I was, I'm as excited about this film as I am about any Fast and the Furious like, add-on. It's great. <laughs> um, the thing is, I actually wasn't familiar with the Bad Boys trilogy at all. I started at the beginning of the week watching the first one, um, which is Michael Bay at his most rawest form. Um, <laughs> some explosions. <laughs> Mayhem. Not, not a lot of character development. Um, you kind of drift off from places. You don't exactly know what's happening. Um, and I think he, um, I think he knew he had to take a step back for this one because I think it's been like it's 17 years since the second one came out. Is around mm-hmm. that time. I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the thing is, he, I think he knew if this was going to come back. He had to um, be very more self-aware and um, his formula wouldn't have worked in more modern times. So he keeps his producer credit, mm-hmm. um, but then he, you bring back Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in this incredible duo. You have some like John Wick-level choreographed action scenes with this in huge high amount of body count. Well... Simon, I, th- I think the, oh, the face some of the, Simon some just of these, Some of these end action scenes, I was just in awe of them. Vanessa Hudgens did very, very well. Um, and I just, I had a, such a good time. I was I was laughing throughout the whole thing. I know. I there's absolutely no harm in admitting that I love this film. Okay, I'm just going to pause you there. Has anybody around the room seen, the f- uh, did anyone know the Bad Boys franchise? Had yes, they seen the first? I've seen the first one, I've seen the second. The second one of the worst films I've ever seen in a cinema. So how did this one um, compare so for you? So I really was not expecting much here and there were some funny bits i did laugh quite a few times some of the action scenes were quite good but they're not even close to john wick level of action they're better than a lot of the michael bay action because you can actually see what happened the directors did pull back you can see what's happening you can actually follow the action um but not even close to john wick um and yeah, some of it was it was fine. It was it was a good evening's entertainment. Some of it was absolutely made me cringe. It was awful. Um, some of the action you're saying really they they wanted to go there. Uh, it's, but what what would you expect from this kind of film? I, I mean, to be said, I mean, I expected an absolutely awful film, and it wasn't awful. All right, Emma, it's your turn. Well, I remembered I had seen Bad Boys. I'd completely forgotten about it. Obviously, I, I scrubbed it from my memory and I was like, oh, yeah, Tierra Leone. So I had seen Bad Boys probably when it came out. So that was like 24 years ago. The first mm. Bad Boys was 95, I think. So I don't know what I expected, but my God, it was worse than I thought it was going to be. I didn't find it funny. I thought that the body count was insane. I thought the casual violence in this day and age, in 2020, did not sit well with me at all. I thought that Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, I don't know, I've seen you know, we've seen people do this better since the first Bad Boys and we can still see people doing this whole kind of, you know one liner cop shtick, funny, the two of them just did not really seem invested. The storyline is ridiculous, the baddie wasn't in threatening, I mean at all, although I did enjoy her lovely line in caftans I mean basically she just swans around a, a, a roof in Mexico City wearing a selection of caftans and she's meant to be a witch or whatever so she's you know praying to her Mexican deities it just I don't know it just was awful I can't 
I but just like, can't. Can, can you not take the film for what it is? Like you went to go and see it. I think anyone that went to go and see it doesn't want to think too deeply about what's it's about to happen. It's crushing it at the box office, as far as I can tell. And also, I think a lot of critics are saying it's the best of the bad boys trilogy. Yeah. And I did I laugh. Th- I think so. I did laugh at the jokes about Martin Lawrence's reading glasses. I can't lie because you know. I was like, and, you, and there's did. a point here. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think you were quite sold on Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, but they are coming back to reprise their roles. I thought they were clearly having quite a bit of fun coming back as, as the bad boys and I was I was on this ride with them I'll be honest I, I quite enjoy Emma the face you're giving me right now is... uh, I mean we've done the I'm too old for this rubbish I mean that's got been going on since Lethal Weapon there's nothing new about what Martin Lawrence was doing um, Will Smith he I must admit he he has been better, it was better than he was in uh, Gemini Man, um, which had amazing similarities to this film as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was actually surprised Will Smith did do better, but it's, we've seen it so many times, it's nothing original in this film at all. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I've got to do, I, I, I sort of disagree. I do think the storyline, if I, the storyline was a little bit pants. I mean, <laughs> I agree with that, but. Are we watching Bad Boys for a storyline, Victoria? Absolutely not. <laughs> You're watching it to go in and have a lot of fun. Yeah. And it delivers. I honestly thought, I don't laugh when it, like, sometimes the comedic, my comedic time is very off. Um, and sometimes the jokes don't land. But I was very tired when I watched this. And I, <laughs> everything made me, like, everything made me giggle. I thought Martin Lawrence is a treasure. I love it. A cuddly treasure. A cuddly treasure. He's not been in much, no. has he? No, in he's ages. not done anything in about ten years. No, this so is he's probably return. very return excited when this lands on probably, his desk, Probably after all the Big Mama's house, he kind of stopped. Um, I would actually say, uh, yeah, um, you mentioned Vanessa Hudgens. I thought she was actually quite good. Um, and was Alexander Ludwig, who I quite Charles liked. Charles Melton, all of that, um, all of that ammo. The crew, yeah. the, the crew. ammo crew. You can imagine that the fourth film is going to be moving over the ammo crew. Yes. Um, is there going to be a fourth Will Smith, film? They are now like, doing a fourth one. The ending seems to suggest there was going to be a fourth one. It's done so well at the box office. It's done so well, there's going to be a fourth one. I mean, it, I, I found as well, I thought the end, um, that, I mean, the last scene, the final scene, it does just descend into complete, like, you know, burning... Chaos. Chaos, which... Maybe by that point, I was like, I felt like just they threw everything with the kitchen sink of it, the sink of it, and maybe by that point, I was a bit worn down. I was like, oh, maybe that is, you know, maybe that bit was all right. I, I, I don't know. But there's something quite sweet about it as well. You know, down. when we talk about the story and, you know, they are older and mm. I know we've seen this ageing cock thing before, but I don't know, something about sweet Martin Lawrence has I, got his family. I and think we are going to see a lot more Bad Boys films. It's going to do the uh, shift like the Fast and the Furious ones did, where they ignored the initial couple expanded the crew to about five or six people and then just going to have you know as many films as they want Lord does that mean we're going to have like a Hobbs and Shaw version as well please please don't no, talk please, about Hobbs no. and Shaw it's still a sore subject <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoy Pan- uh, Joe Pant I did enjoy Joe Pantolino Joe Pantolino Toliano, rather, who's been in all of them as their yes. boss. I enjoyed it. I, that, yeah. Yes. It there were some nice was moments. Back, irredeemable. Yeah. I mean, and it kind of balances with the cameos from, I don't know, DJ Khaled, who appears at one point, which drew some, some a few laughs from the audience in the cinema. Um, however, I mean, I think my thoughts are bad boys for life. If you just want to go Saturday night, get some popcorn, just enjoy a film without having to think too much. It's the one for you, right? 100%. 100%. 100%. Right. <laughs> Bad Boys for Life is showing at The View and Light Cinemas in Cambridge. It is a certificate 15. 
Right, well, that is all we have time for today. We've packed in a few films there, so thanks very much to the team of reviewers. Our next show is on Saturday the 8th of February, where we will be discussing some fantastic new releases, including Uncut Gems, Richard Sewell, and the hotly anticipated Parasite. It is also Oscars weekend, so don't be surprised if the conversation turns to this year's nominees, as well as some oversighted snubs. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Bye. 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 Cambridge 105 Radio.